G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Realfaith.org.au When I thought about who my grandfather was, I thought I had to fill his shoes because the family talked him up so much and, you know, they said, well, you know, you you could be the next R.G. Letourneau. And I thought, ah, I don't want to fill those shoes. But then I guess it was my senior year, I found out I, I only had to follow his footsteps. I only had to be who God wanted me to be. Welcome to Real Faith. Conversations about the impact faith has on our lives and the challenges we go through. Helping us today and giving us hope for tomorrow. That's real people, real life and real faith with Eric Scatterbo. Well, last time we spoke with Mark Letourneau, who joined us from Branson, Missouri, who shared with us about the legendary R.G. Letourneau, his grandfather, who was known as God's businessman. He was an inventor, a businessman, and an entrepreneur, and he impacted people all over the world, both in his business and as a philanthropist, financing all kinds of ministries all over the world, including, as we heard last time, Billy Graham. So we welcome back to the program, Mark Letourneau. Welcome back. Thank you. Good to be here. Glad to have you with us. And talking about your legendary grandfather, R.G., as he was affectionately known as, there were several books made about his life. Is that right? Uh, There were. The one that has survived over the years was his last book. It was an autobiography. Uh, It was called uh, Mover of Men and Mountains, Mm -hmm. and it can still be purchased through Laterno University online. Mm -hmm. Uh, But when I was uh, second year of high school, when I was a sophomore, uh, had heard of a place not too far from where we were currently living in Florida that was a uh, Christian academy, and mm-hmm. I'd gone there. And I think it was halfway through that year, one day when the teachers came up to me and said, uh, hey, I found this in a stack of old books in a, in a closet behind our library. Would you uh, be interested in having it? And it was a book called Moving Heaven and Earth by D.F. Ackland. Mm-hmm. I started devouring that one, and uh, before long, they had found the third book it called God's Businessman that another author had written. And uh, as I went through those and learned more about this man that I just called Grandpa, yeah, uh, known as R.G., later in his life, he and his wife are known as Mom and Pop Letourneau. Uh, in fact, she became Mom more uh, everybody called her Mom Letourneau. Uh, they oversaw the, the the college and the plant, and, and always had people coming through the house. And but I believe it was sometime around the late '60s. Uh, she was named National Mother of the Year and mm-hmm. uh, rode on a float in the Rose Parade. Oh, okay. And uh, was honored for her being the epitome of what motherhood was all about back then. So it was it was always uh, you know, learning more of these things that uh, as a kid I, I didn't ask questions about my grandfather. And uh, then I started asking and started finding out more. And then as I found out what kind of a man of God he was, um, 
being in a in a Christian high school and being a teenager and God starting to get a hold of my life and mm-hmm. I'd accepted him as as my savior back when I was seven years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mother led me to the Lord. Um, but the idea of living for him had not really been a focus until uh, my high school years. And when I thought about who my grandfather was, uh, as I said in the last interview, I I thought I had to fill his shoes mm. because the family talked him up so much. And, yeah. you know, they said, well, you know, you you could be the next R.G. Letourneau. And I thought, ah, I don't want to fill those shoes. But then I guess it was my senior year. I found out I I only had to follow his footsteps. Mm-hmm. I only had to be who God wanted me to be. And if I could emulate his faith in God for every need in my life, then that would be the way I would want to go. So we began the journey, me and God together, mm-hmm. through a lot of different things in my life. And before we get to your journey, we mentioned last time that you are not a multimillionaire. Your grandfather did not leave you the millions that he earned and made from his successful business because that was not his philosophy. Is that right? That is correct. In fact, my dad got a couple of pieces of jewelry of his, and he was the closest to his size, so he got most of his clothes. Oh, okay. That was his inheritance. So the thinking was, as you shared last time, R.G. thought, if God wants them to be multi-millionaires, then he'll make them successful. Is that kind of what he thought? That's the way he believed. that mm-hmm. uh, They had to follow God's path for themselves mm-hmm. and not try to live what he had done the way he had lived. He, he wanted them to emulate him. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, as you noted, uh, he was a very, very busy man. Mm-hmm. And uh, in some ways, my dad has told me, yeah, I, 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 there were times when uh, you know, he was not there for the baseball games. Mm. He was not there for uh, what they did, you know, the school production or, you know, something like that. His mother always was. Mm. And she stepped in to, to, in many ways, to take care of both roles because he was constantly out and in demand to be in ministry and moving around. Mm. And so uh, I don't know that any of his children didn't like that a lot, but at the same time, yeah, there were there were sacrifices that the family mm-hmm. made for him yeah. to, to be the kind of man that he felt he needed to be. Mm-hmm. Now let's transition to your life story. So as you're sharing, you're finding out that you are the grandson of this legend, and you can't live <laughs> up to that. What happened? Well, the more I studied what my grandfather had done, and yes, I made use of all of that, and I wrote book reports, and uh, you know, things like that, where I could make use of what I had learned. But uh, I knew my life had to be what I wanted to be, and music had been a great part of my life. So mm-hmm. I decided to launch out into Christian music and to uh, had a singing group right out of high school. I was also a, uh, a Christian radio announcer uh, at a local Christian radio station, and it was uh, I learned a lot through that and other things that I did. I I worked for Disney World. I worked for my dad. He had a his own tractor company. This was some just a few years after my grandfather had passed, 
And the, the brothers were in charge of, uh, my dad and his three brothers were, were in charge of taking care of the business, and they got together and decided that without his genius driving it, and none of them had that same particular talent that he had, they felt it was better to just sell the company. Mm-hmm. Of course, as I said, a company belonged to the Laterno Foundation by that time, and what was left over after that sale was what supported my grandmother through her later years in life, mm-hmm. because she was 10 years younger than he was. Oh, okay. And so uh, outlived him uh, another 20 years later. Mm-hmm. So we were, uh, my dad had a, a tractor company, worked for John Deere Equipment, and God blessed him tremendously in his endeavors in heavy industrial equipment and understanding how all that worked because of his experience having run um, a steel plant and uh, and building these kinds of pieces of equipment and knowing how they all went together. So um, I worked in his shop for a while, uh, learning different menial tasks as a young person, but learning the value of work yeah. and how to work for someone else. And it, it set me in pretty good stead for the, for the rest of my life. Shortly thereafter, I met my wife. Uh, we were married and moved to, to Texas. Mm-hmm. We had a couple of kids, and then we moved to Tacoma Falls College. Uh, I had been in a couple of different colleges and had never finished. So we decided that it was time to finish my education and get a degree. So I went up to Tacoma and got a, a degree in vocal production and music. So I, I graduated, uh, and I did two things while I was at Tacoma Falls. I got a minor in pastoral ministries. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but I did. And uh, that also was something of God, because uh, we had our third child while we were there. And then we moved back to Texas, and I, I started being a, a music pastor pretty quick, a music minister mm-hmm. um, in uh, churches. And I did many things uh, to try to take care of a, a growing family, yeah. um, take care of the bills. And so, like most people, I worked multiple jobs. Uh, but... Uh, as I finished after the degree, I, I decided it was time for me to start traveling. And so my wife would be my booking agent, and it was up to her to decide how long I was on the road. Never really figured out why there were times she wanted me on the road for seven, eight weeks at a time. <laughs> but uh, she said it was because once I got there, it was it was cheaper to stay there. And to I was doing seven, eight concerts a week in churches every night and doing pretty well. Mm-hmm. And then I will never forget being in upstate New York, uh, near Niagara Falls in Watertown. Mm-hmm. And the thing that those of us who do traveling ministry, uh, I was in a revival meeting where I was not the key speaker, but I was the singer and the uh, support. And, I got a tap on my shoulder after I finished singing and a gentleman said that I had a phone call I had to take mm-hmm. and uh, got news from home that my youngest son had been at his grandparents' house and had 
somehow climbed up over a stack of logs next to the fence and had gone over the fence into the backyard and had been playing on the diving board on the swimming pool and had slipped and hit his head and fallen in and drowned. Oh, wow. And I had to rush home. Mm. He was alive. That was the amazing part. My dad had been looking for him to see where he had gone. He was just two years old and mm. uh, had looked out the back doors and seen him floating in the pool. And miraculously, <laughs> uh, don't know how he didn't kill his own self, uh, rushing down and and scooping him out of the water, uh, taking him to the hospital uh, in his own car because he didn't trust waiting on an ambulance and just not too far down the street. And they were ready to proclaim my son as dead. He had died. Wow. And they were lifting up the sheet to cover him. And suddenly God turned him back on. Wow. But he was a different person than the young man that we were given. Um, he lost a third of his brain due to lack mm. of oxygen. And mm. so he became a quadriplegic and pretty much blind and therefore would never grow up. His body would. And in fact, he's still with us today. Mm-hmm. 36 years later, he's, uh, he's just in the next room down the hall from me here. And we watch over him and take care of him. And I was just in a little while ago to kiss him goodnight and got a big smile and got a giggle. Uh, he knows his daddy and, mm-hmm. uh, he can't talk to me and he probably doesn't understand much more than a two or three year old, but, uh, God has watched over him all these years. The doctors told us that we should just put him in an institution and forget we ever knew him because he wouldn't live past 10 years old. And yet he's still with us today. And God has purpose in that. I, mm. I continue to travel, and then I started sharing his story. Mm-hmm. And the more I shared, uh, the more people responded to you know that kind of heartbreak. Our guest today is once again Mark Letourneau, who's sharing his life journey, which, as we've been hearing, is quite a different path than his inventor grandfather, R.G. Letourneau. We'll hear more of Mark's story when we return right here on Real Faith. The Word for Today is Australia's most widely read daily devotional, designed to give you practical teaching to keep you focused on your relationship with Jesus. Read it online or subscribe to the free printed edition at thewordfortoday.com.au. You're listening to Real Faith, conversations with real people about how God works in their lives. If you want to know more about integrating faith into your life, our website is realfaith.org.au. Just go to the website and you'll find helpful articles about the impact faith can have on your life. Once again, that's realfaith.org.au. Welcome back. I'm Eric Scadabo, and today, once again, I'm chatting with Mark Letourneau, who's sharing his life journey with us. Before the break, Mark shared how his two-year-old son nearly drowned in a pool while he was on the road as a Christian singer. Now we're going to hear what happened next in Mark's life. You know, we went through a lot during those early years. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. 
We didn't know what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I, as I tell people, I, I sat in the hospital. We were at the Children's Hospital in Dallas, Texas for six months while they diagnosed and, and worked on to see if there was any way that we could get anything back from what he had suffered. And uh, we sat in a room with, at one point, we were in the same room with six other kids just separated by curtains on their beds. So they were all hurting and at times screaming all night long. Hmm. And I got to know parents where uh, one week we'd be talking to one and the next week talk to another. Well, where's, where's your husband? And, oh, he couldn't take it anymore. He left. Hmm. Or the wife left or whatever. Yeah. And I thought, well, is that the way to handle things? Is that the way to handle the pressure of this type of trauma in your life? And and me and God went round and round and round. And I said, well, you promised me you give me strength every day. You promised me that we get new every day, new strength. So I'm going to trust you. I'm not going to run away. I'm not going to go try to start a new life. I'm not going to leave my family behind. I'm going to trust that you will do this every day. And 36 years later, I can say with all assurance, he's done just that every day. Mm-hmm. And as I look back, we started with my grandfather, and I, and I realize he's taught me faith. Mm-hmm. He's taught me to trust him. Um, we couldn't stay on the road that much longer, but uh, after all that happened. And so I did other things. I taught myself computer programming to see if I could do that. And then oh, a wow. church position came open, and I became Minister of Music again. And um, then the pastor left, and they invited me to become pastor. At the same time, I was working toward ordination. Mm-hmm. And so I finished my ordination, and on the day after I was ordained, I was installed as the pastor of the church. Oh, wow. And... God taught me all kinds of new things there. Um, but the thing that he kept going back to was things I learned about my grandfather and, and how he approached things. Uh, the the idea of being humble and yet very strong in a faith that there was nothing that God couldn't do. Mm-hmm. And I have found that to be absolutely true. Um, you know, you think, well, I, the first job I ever had as a, as a computer programmer, I had a company hire me on uh, for a period of a uh, year and a half, two years, and my very first job was to clean the toilets in that company. Oh, wow. Uh, so when I took the position as pastor of the church and I was installed in my office and sat down and breathed deeply and the secretary stuck her head in the door and said, by the way, we need somebody to unplug the toilet in the men's room. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's where God wanted me. <laughs> well, that's very humbling. It is. Uh, you know, it, and yet I've learned so much. We've, we've gone a lot of places in our lives. My wife and I just celebrated 44 years of being married. Congratulations. And that's all God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, whenever we hit a hard spot, it was... Uh, well, Lord, what do you want me to do next? Mm-hmm. Uh, God has always taken care of us. When he called us to Branson, Missouri, I was sure he, that's what he wanted us to do. And 
Yeah, it was. I thought he wanted us to open a theater down here and do a uh, a gospel presentation. For those who may not be aware, uh, Branson, Missouri, is in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, in the mountains, uh, just above Arkansas, here in the United States. And when we moved here, the town had three or four thousand people in it, at most. It was wow. a very small town. Yeah. Yet we have. 32 live performance theaters, and we have over 200,000 hotel rooms and condos. Wow. And we take care of up to 8 million tourists a year. Could you name some of the stars that have theaters there? Well, back in the days when I first moved here, uh, Roy Clark was still here, Mm -hmm. Andy Williams, both of the, Mel Tillis, those three have now passed away. Um, we had, uh, Lee Greenwood came through town for a while and Bill Gaither was here for a short time. Um, Johnny Cash wow. uh, had lots of name people and then we had a lot of tribute shows. Yeah. Uh, the Oak Ridge boys still come to town about six weeks a year and perform out here. Um, we do have, uh, big names, uh, that still come through just to do a few concerts and then leave. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not here permanently like some of the first ones I mentioned that uh, had their own theaters. Yeah, uh, yeah. Mostly because uh, Mel Tillis came into town, built his own theater, and uh, he was being interviewed on a show called 2020 on one of the major networks here, and he told people that I'm making a million dollars every month on people coming to see me, and I don't have to travel. I can be sleeping in my own bed every night. Yeah. The next thing you know, all these other dames are moving into town. And that's what really kick-started Branson off uh, somewhat before we got here. But uh, yeah. uh, we we followed God here, and it took me a few years to figure it out and a few trials and tribulations while he knocked some sense into my head that I was here because he wanted me here, mm-hmm. not because I was to build this big theater yeah, uh, and have this big show. And as soon as I came to the place where I was willing to accept whatever he wanted me to do, the next thing I know, I'm being called and asked to sing for a a big show that's uh, about the life of Jesus. Now, granted, I started off as a Pharisee, but I was an understudy to another part that after a while, the guy that was doing it uh, actually joined Bill Gaither to be part of his stable of singers. And uh, I ended up playing the role of Peter mm-hmm. and had a lot of fun. Just a joy to do the gospel every single day and present yeah. it to people. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, and, we've run out of time sharing your story. I could listen to your stories all day. Well, I, I appreciate it, but that's, that's pretty much it. We're, mm-hmm. we, we're still here. We're following God. I've retired from music, but he's received the glory. Amen. And, uh, we're still following him, mm-hmm. and it's fun. It's a journey. It's a, it's exciting. No matter where he wants us, he has something for us to do. Well, Mark Letourneau, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. You're so welcome. Appreciate having the opportunity to share. Our guest today was once again Mark Letourneau, the grandson of the legendary Christian businessman and inventor, R.G. Letourneau. And as we heard, Mark's path in life was completely different than his grandfather. 
R.G. was basically a mechanic that invented large earth-moving machinery and mechanical devices. Whereas Mark, as we heard, he was more of a performer and loved singing and acting in Christian plays. However, as Mark said, he discovered that he didn't have to try to fill his grandfather's shoes, but he only had to be who God wanted him to be. And so he began his own journey with the Lord, a journey that took him on some incredible adventures, including to the unique little town in the middle of the United States called Branson, Missouri. Well, thank you so much for joining us for Mark Letourneau sharing his story. And until next time, when we'll hear another story of faith, I'm Eric Scadabo. So long and God bless. You've been listening to Real Faith. And if you have any questions or comments, you can send us a message through our website, realfaith.org.au. That's realfaith.org.au. Real Faith is a production of Vision Christian Media. This program is a production of Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, see vision.org.au.